afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, the markets were higher, at least on the grain side of the trade action. Of course, we did see that drop on the livestock side. Some factors that we're going to look at today include China buying beans, but that's not the biggest reason. We're looking at the weather in the next 10 days, hot and dry. I know many areas got one of those nice, slow-soaking rains moving through the overnight. So anytime we get rain in July, it's a good thing. But what's going on in Brazil with their crops? And La Nina, that talk is surfacing back again. We've got lots to cover on this Wednesday edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell as Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with Stonex. And so we do have to start, I think, really talking about the weather, Arlen. And I know that we had a nice shot hour here that lasted a couple of hours slow steady rain but it's one of those rains you might have to hold on to because we might not see some for a while yeah i think that's pretty much the story now there are some more chances or some cluster storms really south dakota down through nebraska into kansas that we could see in the days ahead um the general sense is that they're showing up most in the american gfs model that the gfs model may be overstating the coverage from those storms they were certainly expecting those storms to to develop. Uh, the question is how widespread will be the coverage, how many people will benefit from them. And here's some questions about that. But overall, it looks like we are going to be shifting warmer and drier for really the northwestern grain belt. And so uh, really that's been the problem area all year long, and it looks like that's going to intensify. Some indications it could start to get back to the way it was in early in June when we were facing kind of the intense heat and and dryness. But we'll have to see if that plays out. That's kind of the outlook for the next 10 days. 11 to 15 days, there's some disagreement in the models, and it seems to come down to whether we get a typhoon that's in some of the models developed in East Asia. If that happens, it could bend the jet stream just enough that we get a high pressure in the eastern Midwest, and we go back to pulling the moisture back up through the center of the country once again. So we'll to see how that plays out. That'll have big implications then for the grain and oilseed markets. If it stays on the hot and dry side, then we could see these markets kind of reignited. And that's kind of what we saw a precursor of a little bit today, some risk premium come in. We need to understand that the speculative funds were really trading an inflation play this spring, and that was fueled by this by the supply risk that we were looking at for both Brazil and the United States. This summer, they basically have really reduced their positions in the markets. So you could look at it as, okay, they've, they've turned bearish, um, or you could look at it as that's how much buying potential there is. Is the glass half full or half empty? And that all hinges now on what the weather does from this point forward and what the weekly crop ratings do. Uh, for today, the money was coming back into the market. You look at that, and, and I know that every Monday everybody waits to see what the numbers should be from the USDA. But because we got some rains, could we see a boost in those numbers in corn and beans? Oh, we certainly could. Now, typically, we see those crop ratings go down in the month of July. Their subjective ratings, just what the crop looks like, and is particularly, especially corn, as it starts to tassel, it doesn't just quite look quite as good, apparently, to the human eye, uh, not as green, and so the ratings drop. And so the yield models that are include the crop ratings in them, when the crop ratings stay steady or even rise a little bit, that boosts the yield estimates that those models crank out. 
that was certainly the case with my model this week, going above, up above 178 bushels per acre, up almost two bushels. Now, if this hot, dry weather pattern comes back, then we'll see those ratings pull down again, and we'll see those yield models turn down as well. Uh, but it, again, like you said, it's going to come down to those rains, and that impacts how the pluses and the minuses, the good yields in the east, how they offset the bad in the west. Um, if it turns hot and dry, there may be too many losses in the west for the good yields in the east to offset. What are you hearing about our, our neighbors to the south in Brazil with their crop at this point? Yeah, I've talked to them this week and and about the freeze damage. They think there's going to be more... You know, their production estimate for corn at 87.9 million bushel, excuse me, 87.9 million metric tons, um, came out right as the freeze was hitting. And they're most concerned about additional freeze damage from Meta Grasso de Sol. That'll show up in the next report that could pull that number lower. And, of course, USDA is still at around 93 million metric tons. USDA did lower their export target down to 28 million metric tons from 33 million metric tons previously for Brazil. Our team is down in that 19 to 20 million metric ton level. So there's a lot of corn exports that have not been accounted for. And some people in Brazil think that export number is going to fall even more than that. One of the concerns they mentioned is because of the drought and because of the freeze, they're going to have a real quality issue that may make it tough for them to export corn this year. Of course, anything that they don't export means more opportunities for the U.S. export market. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, what type does that mean then for us as producers as we watch this crop grow right now? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we anticipate USDA is going to have to account for that. I think they're, we're going to see USDA in future reports reduce Chinese corn imports for this year and maybe even next marketing year. But I think that'll be more than offset by the reduced Brazilian exports that translate into more business for us. Even though the appetite's there for China, we saw that again today. Yeah, absolutely. And China is back in today buying soybeans, uh, about 12 million bushels or so of optional origin. What's key about that is for September delivery. And I don't know how they're going to get beans out of the Pacific Northwest in September. There's not a lot there, but Brazil's running out of beans for that time slot as well. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up. We're going to continue this conversation. Also find out uh, about this talk of La Nina. What is that going to mean for us here in the States and for our neighbors to the South who have definitely had their weather struggles this growing season? More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing the conversation this afternoon with Arlen Sudeman. He is with Stonex. We left off kind of talking about what was going on weather-wise and where we we're seeing crop conditions and, and Brazil. So let's talk La Nina. Arlen, you said there's a chance to see this rear its head once again. Yeah, not all the models agree on this, but there's been a significant shift in the models toward La Nina reappearing um, as we get into the fall of this year. Now, that is a cooling of the sea surface temperatures in the equatorial Pacific and tends to drive our weather patterns. 
And so a lot of the models are starting to pick up that on that now and starting to project a very dry pattern for the fall for the central and southern plains. That'd be good for fall harvest, of course, but not so good for winter wheat planting, depending on what kind of moisture you get and the timeliness of it. Uh, but the other thing is it uh, has, has come up in our talk with uh, our people in Brazil as well, where they're very concerned about the possibility of a repeat weather pr- pattern this next year like what they had this last year that ended up leading to the crop problems that they've had most notably with the corn crop so bottom line is world corn and soybean supplies are real tight right now and um, it doesn't look like the u.s crop is going to be rebuilding those supplies based on what we currently see the hope and anticipation was that the south american crop would be big enough to start providing a little bit of comfort level there in those supplies. But if La Nina is, in fact, coming back, that may make that difficult to happen as well, which could mean over the next year we're going to keep tight supplies in the world balance sheet and have more opportunities for volatile markets. Looking at China, both from a grain and a livestock perspective, their appetite definitely going to be sticking around? It, it looks like that, um, it, but it's going to vary a lot. Things really cycle in China. Now, they've gone through this hog liquidation and a lot of because of lack of profitability in their hog herd, and that's really pressure prices downward, and as a result, their profitability is gone, and they're not restocking. So what China's concerned about now is that they're going to have a shortage of pork six months from now because their producers aren't restocking. So they're trying to provide incentive programs now, financial incentives for restocking, especially for some of the smaller operations, um, lifting some of the environmental regulations and permit requirements that were needed in the past, et cetera. Because six months from now, they'll be on the doorstep of their Lunar New Year holiday, which is a major event in China when pork is the favorite food of choice. Um, and so to keep people happy, they don't want a shortage of pork at that time. And we noticed in last week's uh, uh, export sales report that there was a big jump in Chinese pork sales that was caught us off guard, a little bit surprising, probably purchasing it for delivery in the fourth quarter so they can have it in hand for that Ch- Lunar New Year holiday uh, break. Uh, now, because of the smaller hog numbers now, we're seeing a softening of demand for corn and soybeans. Uh, demand overall is still strong, but not quite as strong as what it was. And because they had a poor quality wheat harvest that they just completed, a lot of that wheat ended up going into the feed bunk. So they are able to back off and slow their shipments of corn. That helps a little bit because freight rates, ocean freight rates right now are really high, uh, over $2 a bushel to ship to China. Um, we did see them back in the market earlier today purchasing, we believe, about 12 million bushels of soybeans optional origin, as we indicated, uh, depending on wherever they can find them, if they can find them in the Pacific Northwest in September or from Brazil yet. Um, but I think we're, what we're seeing is China trying to delay a lot of purchases they need to make until they can see freight rates coming down, because right now they're just getting killed by those ocean freight rates. Every time we talk to Chinese buyers, that's what they bring up. 
Let's look at, at the cattle. Um, you and I were talking during the commercial break about Texas, and we know that the north is very current, the south is not, and it seems like there's a lot of backup of cattle in Texas, and I've heard rumors of these cattle being brought north to be processed. What's your thoughts, and how is that affecting our cash trade? Yeah, packer capacity has been a real problem, and that and that is why we've had so much struggle with the cash market, and the feeder just hasn't had much leverage now for several months. Um, the hope is we can get up to around 655,000 to 660,000 cattle slaughtered this week, and if we can do that several weeks in a row, we think we could start to clean up some of that Southern Plains inventory at a time when numbers start to go down anyway, and maybe the feeders will get a little bit more leverage then. Um, but those are the numbers we're watching very closely. If we drop below 645,000 in a week, then we're starting to get behind once again. So keep an eye on the slaughter totals. All right, sounds good. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? Stonex.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Well, that is the Fontenelle final bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle final bell. Be brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Borough Radio Network.